Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this and Peter Schweizer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hello, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly drill down on cronyism and corruption in the federal government in Washington, D.C. Uh, I'm Eric Eggers. Normally, Peter Schweitzer hosts this episode, but because he's taking a bit of a holiday, and it is the holidays, uh, we're very excited to have with us Seamus Bruner, who has been step-by-step step with Peter Schweitzer in investigating all things government corruption, specifically as it relates to Joe Biden and his close business associate and also son, Hunter Biden. Seamus, good morning. How are you? It's great to be with you, Eggers. Uh, some people call me Eric Eggers, but I guess that you think so. You feel so comfortable, you can just go straight to the informalities. You're still a guest on this podcast. Let's keep it. Let's keep Mr. it. Mr. Eggers, part of me. That's right. So, uh, you know, it's it's the 4th of July. We're recording this on July the 5th, and we have both celebrated the 4th of July in different ways and in different places. Uh, I'm up in the Midwest where they love a good neighborhood parade and they love a fireworks display. And they also love, I'm sorry to say, like an hour-long parking lot delay and getting back to where you came from after the fireworks, which made me question many things about my life choices last night. Um, but the fireworks were ultimately worth it. And, um, you know, but we weren't the only ones celebrating the 4th of July. It's been reported today that Hunter Biden was at the White House yesterday celebrating with the Biden family during their 4th of July festivities, but he wasn't the only one. CBS News reported this morning that one of the new members of the Biden legal defense team, that's Hunter Biden's legal defense team, Former Republican Congressman Jim Rilgeman was in attendance at the White House, participating with Hunter Biden and the Biden family. And I think that's interesting because you think about Fourth of July, you think about barbecues, you think about cookouts, you don't necessarily think about defense legal strategy sessions. But that's apparently exactly what happened at the White House yesterday during the Fourth of July. And I think it speaks to this larger question of just how close is Joe Biden to Hunter Biden? Now, the reason why Hunter Biden has hired a former Republican member of Congress to be on his legal defense team is in and of itself, I think, worth exploring. 
He has allegedly some technical expertise. He's a former Air Force intelligence officer. And so I think his task will be going over aspects of the Hunter Biden laptop, reviewing them for possible um, errors, possible irregularity. I think they're trying to say that the things that are on Hunter Biden's laptop aren't necessarily all legitimate. And so that's one of the reasons why we have Seamus Bruner here today, because Seamus Bruner, I think, knows the contents of the Hunter Biden laptop more intimately than I would say almost anyone else in the country. Seamus, just talk briefly about how long you've been looking at the Hunter Biden laptop and what it actually means when we say the Hunter Biden laptop, because there's the contents on the hard drive, there's email accounts. Like, what exactly have you been looking at? Yeah, so before we even got a copy of the Hunter Biden laptop, the so-called laptop from hell, we had a number of other data sources. We had emails from a couple of Hunter's business partners, separate emails, full access to the Gmail account of Bevan Cooney, who is in tight with Hunter Biden and Devin Archer and some of the other business partners. We had, of course, uh, the Secret Service travel logs. We had um, Tony Bobolinsky messages. And so then we get this copy of the Hunter Biden laptop. It had been And, and given, pause and get, just shame so people know, Tony Bobolinsky is another Hunter Biden business associate who, just like Devin Archer, I think had a business deal or a legal proceeding not go his way. Uh, he was you know, facing criminal charges, unlike Hunter Biden. And so he's another part of the Biden world that reached out to us to try to help, because I think they want ultimately the truth to come out and they want justice to be done, correct? Yeah, that's right. And uh, essentially the Bevin Cooney emails, the Tony Bobolinsky files, and a number of other uh, FOIA records and Secret Service travel logs. We had tens of thousands of emails and documents that we had already been going through for, I mean, since 2018. So when we got a copy of the laptop in late 2020, uh, when it was shared with various media organizations, um, we already had this picture, you know, Schweitzer had done several books and the Hunter Biden laptop comes out. And so we kind of off to the races, start going through all of the Hunter Biden emails. And so we were able to put it into the context that a lot of other people didn't have and the, it was like the holy grail, the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, you're getting all of these messages and they fit right in there. So, you, you know, imagine like a puzzle. We've got about 50% of the puzzle done when Secret Empires comes out. Uh, by the time Profiles in Corruption comes out, Peter's book, uh, we have maybe 60 to 70%. And so then the Hunter Biden laptop comes out and there's all these missing pieces in the puzzle. And the Hunter Biden text messages and emails and there are some documents on the laptop they just start fitting in. It's like, you know, when you get to the end of a puzzle, uh, the pieces fit right in. And there's really no way that, you know, I have not seen any files on the Hunter Biden laptop that appear to be inserted or, you know, whatever they're going to, whatever aspersions they're going to cast, you know, maybe Russian disinformation, et cetera. It's like, no, these, these documents fit right in with a set of other files and emails and documents that we've had for a long time. Um, and so it was, it was really the Holy grail. It put all the pieces. I mean, I would say there's very few pieces left in the puzzle before you can see the full picture here, which is that the Biden, uh, family business essentially sold out the country to our greatest adversary, China. They made a lot of money, of course, in Ukraine. Um, you've got the text messages with the Burisma executives. You got the emails with the Chinese and you've got various drafts of memorandums of understanding and, contracts. And the thing that really struck me as I'm going through the Hunter Biden laptop, it actually reminded me a lot of the Clinton WikiLeaks emails. You know, you, you'd expect to see conversations about like, here's how we do X, Y, Z. And like, let's, uh, 
you know, make some business and do, you know, various things. No, all of the emails are about when is the money going to arrive? Where, where's my money? Uh, you better give me the money right now. Uh, I'll introduce you to so-and-so who's in Joe's inner circle. I'll introduce you to Joe. I, I brought you to the White House. And it's very clear there's a pay-to-play operation, nothing more. So let's talk about that for a second. And by the way, just for larger context, it's interesting that this is the second time that we've had a trove of internal communications surface. So we've gotten to have access to internal communications after we've done an in-depth investigation into the business operations of a political family. We did, we, Seamus worked on, I worked on the book, Clinton Cash. And so we were intimately familiar with the overlap of business interests that uh, had, you know, the Clinton Foundation, people asking for favors from the Secretary of State. And then so when the Clinton WikiLeaks emails come out, the John Podesta emails and everything else, we're like, oh, that this is totally consistent because you see these people that work for the State Department interacting with people that work for Bill Clinton and saying, hey, can we do this speech? Can we get a yes on this? I mean, so the communication was, as you noted, exactly what we expected it to be because of the all the other pieces we've been able to put together. And here with the Bidens, I think it's no different. And I'll just sort of pause and say it's, you know, it's funny because everything you said is 100% correct. And I would say that it's way more relevant nationally, the things that you just discussed that are on the Hunter Biden laptop, the emails that talk about the business relationships, the communication with foreign powers, the, I think, evidence of FARA violations, right? In, operating on behalf of foreign powers to set up meetings with U.S. government officials without registering as a foreign agent, which is by definition a fair violation. It's one of the criminal charges Hunter Biden's been successfully able to avoid thus far. But like that's what matters. But what makes headlines, including today, is you've got new pictures allegedly of Hunter Biden saying he's going 172 miles uh, on his way to Vegas in a Porsche. You've got communication back and forth with some of the people he expected to interact with uh, in Las Vegas. You've got communication about the size of the crowd Hunter Biden likes to interact with in his room. And so, I mean, those are the things that will garner the headlines. And and that's very tabloid and that's very sizzly and that'll get a lot of clicks. But that's, I think, quite frankly, irrelevant to what actually matters and what I think the House Republicans are investigating. I will say this, you talked about the idea of casting dispersions on the, the information in the laptop. It was also reported a couple of days ago that I guess somehow they found some cocaine in Washington, D.C., um, you know. Hunter Biden may be uniquely at the center of international business dealings and uh, related to the president of the United States. I don't think he's unique in terms of being the only person in Washington, D.C. to have a drug problem. So I don't think it's fair to say that the cocaine found in Washington, D.C. was Hunter Biden's. But I did laugh at a tweet that I saw that said, you know, 357 intelligence uh, officers sign a letter claiming that the Russians planted the cocaine in the White House. I thought it was pretty good, but that's consistent <laughs> with how things have gone so far. Like, hey, here's something that looks kind of bad. Oh, clearly it's from Russia if we're to believe what, what's out there. But so those are all different aspects of how we've walked through this Hunter Biden investigation. But I think the one piece that we found that well, there's two things that I think we now want to talk about that I think are, seem to be at the center of this puzzle. The first is this WhatsApp message that the IRS whistleblowers came forth with the House Republicans, I think, presented. And I think they presented it quite fairly because they're trying to pressure this plea deal from Hunter Biden to be rejected by the judge and say, wait, there's a lot more here than this. And this is just one of the things that we have to suggest that Hunter Biden uh, is getting the quote unquote sweetheart deal. And, and this needs to be reexamined. So to that point, talk about the significance of what that WhatsApp message said, specifically in the context of the business interaction it was referring to, the money that it represented that was coming to the Bidens. 
And what do you make of some of the pushback that says the picture that Hunter Biden has on that WhatsApp message is a new message? It wouldn't have been from there. And that they think that's evidence that it might be a fraudulent message. Yeah, so the WhatsApp message is just very, very telling. I mean, that's exactly how the entire Biden family business operates, right? They find some distasteful foreign oligarch, whether it's a Chinese spy-linked you know, billionaire Yi Jianming with the CEFC deal, or whether it's uh, Mikola Zlachevsky with Burisma or the Papavichu guy in Romania. These are all extremely wealthy individuals from countries that are suspect, to put it mildly. Like they could and be James they, Bond villain characters, right? Or even, the, I mean, because it's a comic, like maybe Austin Powers. Like these are silly names and crazy people and shady places. But they are the kinds of characters you would see in this type of film. And these are the people doing business with the son of the president of the United States. Yeah, exactly right. The entire business model was to find shady oligarchs who needed their reputation laundered in some way, uh, whether they're facing criminal charges like Zlachevsky or uh, just were you know working with the Chinese government. And Hunter Biden would come to them or they would come to him and say – uh, let's form a business venture. And what does this business do? Nothing really. I mean, it's in something vague like energy or, um, you know, uh, real estate or, you know, something like that. And by getting into business with Hunter Biden, that would allow the foreign oligarch to go and say, look, I can't possibly be dirty. I'm in business with the son of the vice president. And what Hunter Biden would say to them is, okay, give me the money. And if they fail to pay up, this is what the WhatsApp message shows. He would say, look, I'm sitting here with my father. Uh, we're going to make your life hell <laughs> if you don't give us money. And that happened uh, with not just the, the Chinese. There was the son of the Mexican or grandson of the president of Mexico, uh, Aleman. And he says, look, I've brought all your friends to the White House. Now I expect you to be waiting for me when I get there. Um, and so, I mean, it's just emblematic, but the fact that Hunter is saying Joe is right there, um, you know, that, that puts Joe right in the room. And I think it's going to be very hard because there's so many examples of Hunter invoking his father saying, you know, my chairman and, uh, you're coming to do business with the Biden family. You know, when he threatens Tony Bobulinski and says, you know, you don't get it, Tony, uh, this is all about us and our family, um, you know, there's just a, a huge pattern here that you're not going to be able to dismiss as some sort of planted Russian, Russian disinformation. And so if the key takeaway from the WhatsApp message is Hunter referencing his father and his father's proximity, both physically and figuratively to him right then and there, then this is where the other piece that has been reported and that we've discovered and we've kind of been working with some officials on to try to help moved investigation forward. And this is this phone number that we now know is linked to Joe Biden. And this is not his official phone number. And Peter Schweitz has talked about this. This is not uh, his personal cell phone. This is a different phone number that we found on the laptop that we think provides evidence of Joe Biden's direct involvement with Hunter Biden's businesses. So Seamus, talk to us about how you found that phone number and you've used the term, I think, $25,000 in terms of what it might mean from how much money Hunter Biden is essentially paying Joe Biden. Talk to us about how you found it and why we think it represents a number of that size. Yeah, so when, I, when we first got the laptop, uh, it was very easy to go to the photos. I mean, the photos, you know, picture says a thousand words. So we 
you know, or going through the photos and per- within about 30 s- seconds n- needed to take a shower, didn't really want to continue going through the photos. Um, but I, d- I remember seeing, I mean, this is uh, late 2020, November 2020, seeing the photo of uh, 170 miles an hour on the dash of his Porsche and thinking, man, this guy has got a death wish. Um, and that's it. You kind of see th- that throughout the messages as Hunter's got this like call to the void or something where he's, you know, maybe he wants to get caught. I'm not sure. But we, once we got through the photos, started uh, searching through the emails and the documents, and we tried, you know, Joe, Dad, my father, and, you know, emails would come up. You find that more Because often at the end not, of the day, it's, it's Hunter's laptop, but Joe Biden is the story, right? I mean, so like, hey, this is, well, exactly. this is a broken guy. He's got a drug problem. That's not new. He likes cocaine. He likes women. He likes drugs. Uh, but what we're interested in is because we're the Government Accountability Institute. We're interested in what role, if any, did Joe Biden play? So that dictated the terms of search that we initiated, and so that's why we're looking for those things. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, within a you know within less than a day, realized that this is probably eighty percent porn or drug photos. Like we could have just... had a killer Instagram account if we wanted to. <laughs> Hunter Biden's laptop, right? But, but that's not what we're in the business of. Right. So we started searching terms like White House, Oval Office, you know, things that would get you to an email where Hunter would say something like, I brought all your friends to the White House. And of course, we found those emails. Um, you know, eventually we get to chairman, but we found that JRB, Joseph Robinette Biden, um, is often what his family members would use to refer to him as. So, you know, his sister Valerie would say JRB, you know, is going to be in Wilmington today. Or And so we find, so JRB was sort of a uh, you know, led to some of the better smoking gun type emails. And I would say that the email from uh, Eric Schwerin, Hunter's assistant, to uh, his ex-wife Kathleen's divorce attorney. So Hunter is in the midst of this divorce from his first wife, the mother of his children, Kathleen. And, it, you know, it's a, another deadbeat dad story about Hunter where he's trying to dodge alimony or child support payments. And... Uh, essentially, they send a list of look at how all, all these expenses that Hunter has. He couldn't possibly pay you more money because he's spending, you know, thirty thousand dollars a month or whatever it was. Um, and so, in this list of about twenty items, you know, you've got the lake house. Um, there's repairs. You got the housekeeper and all this stuff. We see just one little item that says ATT parentheses JRB. And so, we're like, what, well, what does that mean? JRB. Uh, I think it's about like two hundred bucks a month, one hundred and fifty bucks a month. And so we, you know, start digging in on AT&T and we come to find that Hunter's paying a lot of people's AT&T phone bills. He's paying for his kids, his ex-wife's, his own. Um, And then there's this one JRB. And and we're like, you know, what is this phone that Hunter's paying for? Why wouldn't Joe be paying for his own phone bill? Or, um, you know, why doesn't he, you know, maybe he's just got an official line. Uh, Come to find, we find a text message from Hunter to, uh, I think, Katie Dodge, his his other assistant, saying, thanks to the generosity of Eric Schwerin, I've been paying my dad's AT&T phone bill for 11 years. So just in black and white, he's flat out says, I've been paying my dad's phone bill. now." And that's two pieces of evidence, right? You have the email record that shows this phone line connected to JRB, which is Joe Biden. So you have an email saying this is Joe's phone number, and you have a text message saying I've been paying my dad's phone number. So it's, you know, two, uh, if you like, in the modern terms, like two... uh, aspect configuration right you get the get the email and the text code right and i mean now we've got you know over a dozen pieces of information about this at&t phone bill that hunter's paying for joe um you know he's got texts to that phone he 
he's got a number of different ways of communicating with his dad. His dad's got you know s- several secret email addresses, you know, non-official, non-DACA, which I mean, you would expect. This isn't totally crazy. What is weird about it is, you know, why wouldn't Joe be paying for his own phone bill? So, on the one hand, you've got this secret secret phone that Joe's got. You know that. Maybe Secret Service knows about, maybe not. It's not disclosed. This isn't the type of thing that you could FOIA. Um, so in that sense, you know, people have called it a burner phone. It's not like the track phone that you might get at a gas station and throw in a dumpster after your drug deal. Uh, but Hunter does have several of those. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's more of a phone that's kind of off the books, not subject to records collection through the White House. Um, Secret Service would not have access to it presumably, to see if there were any, let's say, threats or, you know, if Joe, you, you could have totally imagine a scenario where Joe Biden uh, clicks a link attachment. We, we all know somebody who's done that, and all of a sudden he's uh, captive to some sort of nefarious actors. Um, so it's like that. But the other part of it is, you know, so that's sort of a national, this national security threat that Joe Biden's got a line that he can talk to Hunter's business associates, contrary to his repeated assertions that he never talked business. We know that he did. We have other emails from these business associates, like the Burisma executives, the Chinese are like, you know, good to meet your father, good to talk with your father. We've got photos of Joe with the Kazakh oligarchs that were paying Hunter Biden. Um, so we really need to know what's on this line. I mean, we don't we don't know. We could could speculate, but we won't do that. Um, and uh, the other part of it, though, is like so that's the national security, the potential bribery type stuff. But then there's also the bill paying, and that I think is like a huge deal because you can't have your son taking in millions, tens of millions of dollars from corrupt foreign interests and then using some of that money to pay your bills. I mean, that that amounts to a gift, which gifts must be disclosed by public officials. Joe is, of course, a public official. And this phone goes back 11 years. That's to his Senate days. So as a senator, he's getting a gift that's undisclosed as a vice president he's getting a gift that's undisclosed um it's, it is interesting that in february of 2017 hunter says uh my dad would like to start paying his phone bill again so like let's switch the account over to him that's kind of telling in a way because now joe's out of the white house why would yeah, he February 2017 would be the first month by which joe biden was no longer a public official and so it suggests that you know, while he was a public official, Hunter Biden's taking care of it because, and this is consistent with the things that are also on the laptop emails, but they were sent up the Biden Center. They're trying to keep Joe's name off of things because they're trying to like prevent, I think, forced public disclosure. When you are a public official, there's a certain aspect of transparency that comes with that. So it's like they're very smart that way. But I do think it speaks to the larger point. And, and you're honestly, Seamus, the only one I've ever heard say this. But the idea of Joe Biden's lifestyle versus his actual income and the bills he pays. And I think this is, I mean, it's, a, it's his son paying his phone bill. But I think it speaks to a larger point. Because when you talk about Joe Biden's lifestyle, what do you mean? Well, yeah, I mean, Joe Biden lives the like a billionaire's lifestyle. You know, he's got chefs, he's got a uh, private drive, you know, private cars, chauffeurs. I mean, he flies around on private jets. For all intents and purposes, Joe's a billionaire. Now, whether his financial disclosure disclosures show that or not, it kind of doesn't matter. And so, when you have uh, Hunter paying bills for Joe, that allows Joe to keep more of his public servant, so-called public servant, salary to himself. So. As Joe's net worth goes up, you know, year after year after year, it's like, well, how does how does a public servant keep racking up, you know, uh, all this money? You know, he gets a book deal, um, and you know, we could do whole other podcasts on 
politicians' book deals, and you know whether the book sells or not, they still get ten million dollars or whatever he claims he got. No, it's an ingenious deal. way for them for people to pay politicians uh, with virtually no obligation on the other end. That's true. Yeah, and, and yeah, the books and the speaking engagement. So you know who <laughs> the idea that someone would pay to hear Joe Biden speak. Is uh, is comical, really? Because you know, have you heard Joe Biden speak recently? <laughs> well, speak speak is an aggressive use of the verb that describes what actually happens. But that's yeah, that's exactly. Not the point. But, so, but the point is, he's living a lifestyle that's inconsistent with the income he's reported, and um, and the explanation for that is that he's got other people paying his bills, including his son. That's exactly right. And it's not just the cell phone bill. And I think, I mean, we've been able to piece together a number of bills. And, you know, the New York Post, Miranda Devine and others have um, really uncovered some great stuff with the landscaping and the home repairs. And, um, you know, if we're into the hundreds of thousands of dollars of money coming from Hunter Biden to subsidize Joe's lifestyle, I mean, that's a big problem. That's, you know, that's where you get into, I mean, whether it's conflict of interest or, I mean, the, the lowest uh, level crime or ethics violation on this would be not reporting those gifts, which can be, a, you know, that can be a big problem in itself. Um, and, you know, everybody knows about the emoluments clause after uh, Donald Trump. Nobody had heard of it before. But these are these are emoluments. So, um, you know, which is funny because that was be the word on the, the word on the tip of everyone's tongue during the Trump presidency. <laughs> we have yet to hear right. that word used during the Biden presidency. But it, once again, an example of exactly the same thing. Well, I think uh, it's important, Seamus, that you continue to talk about because you've done incredible work, you and Peter and the rest of the team that we have at GAI. I mean, it is kind of quite remarkable and like, not just that we're able to look at things, but like look at things and understand the context that they occur. And it, it is interesting because it is quite fascinating and, and very reminiscent of the Clinton business model that we saw when we uncovered in Clinton Cash. And I continue to believe that I think the Bidens learned from the Clintons. I continue to think that, you know, Hunter Biden and the Biden family they saw what Hillary did as Secretary of State during the first term of the Obama presidency. And they said, well, wait a minute, if the Clintons are doing this, why can't we do this? And that's one of the reasons why you saw as soon as the second term started, that's when the Chinese energy deal gets struck with that joint venture. That's when you start seeing Hunter go to Burisma and you start to see all these other shady international uh, associations begin to emerge, which also led to a significant influx of capital into the Biden bank accounts. And I think that the time of that can't be ignored um, so Seamus, we appreciate all that you've done. And I would just say, it's interesting the last piece of news that Hunter Biden has made this week is he settled his, uh, paternity suit. And so I think as part of that lawsuit, he has agreed to donate several of his paintings, uh, to the family of his estranged child and, uh, to the mother. But in return, the mother has agreed to drop her counterclaim in which she insists on using the Biden name. And so it's ironic that while there is this innocent little granddaughter that the Bidens refuse to acknowledge and now are under no legal obligation to do so, uh, their association, as seen by the presence of Hunter Biden and his legal defense team at the White House on the 4th of July, as they plot to try to fend off the mounting charges because of the mounting amount of evidence that House Republicans are gathering, uh, continues. So he will never have to claim his estranged granddaughter, his seventh granddaughter, but he will continue to claim and protect his son. And that is where the President of the United States is today. So Seamus Bruner, thank you very much for your work. I'm Eric Eggers. Peter Schweitzer will be back soon. In the meantime, this has been the Drill Down Podcast. We very much appreciate you listening. Uh, if you like what you've heard, please feel free to leave us a five-star review and uh, check back each week for new episodes where we uncover more hard truths about corruption in the federal government. Thank you very much. Thank you.